Recording in progress. Dirty out. Kill it, son. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dirty out. Yo, 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 yo. The son of all I met, the old world knows. If I'm a girl, I'm up to date with the poor them. Can't keep up to the trends and report them. If one of the margolins, I bring not word them. But if I the big beauty queen, we support them again. If I'm a not up to date with the poor them. Can't keep up to the trends and report them. If one of the margolins, I bring not word them. But if I the big beauty queen, we support them again. We're not sorry. I don't say what they get them in a inventory. But we have to start keep them in a category. Mandatory, all we get them up with them up. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another edition of This Is Recorded Podcast. We're here with some positive energy, the light in this world, happiness in this world, uh, exercise, because dancing is exercise. Man, this is a special one. I'm glad I can get her on here. Please introduce yourself. Oh, thank you for that introduction. <laughs> so I'm Hannah, aka Hannah is Golden. Minjun Herbertson, straight out of Stockholm, Sweden, and I'm very happy to be here with you. Okay, okay. So Sweden, tell us a little bit about Sweden. Well, Sweden, you know, what what do you want to know? <laughs> I don't know. I've never been. Up north, it's like the furthest, almost the furthest country, like up north in Scandinavia. You know, it's um, most of the year it's kind of dark and cold. We have a few months of warmth and sunshine. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of positive things. There's, you know, some not that positive, but you know, it's, it's a country and I'm living here right now and I'm thankful for, you know, having a house here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, everywhere has the positive and the negative. Now, is it close to anywhere else geographically? Where is it close to? Well, it's, it's uh, in between Norway and Finland okay. and South is Denmark, you know, and then comes like you know, the rest of Europe down below. Okay. So have you been to France or Paris anywhere? Yeah. 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 I mean, I used to travel before I moved to New York. I traveled a lot around Europe. I went a lot to Paris, for example, to dance and, and London as well. And yeah, it's, there's a lot of countries that are pretty easy to get to. So, okay. Okay. So now I'll let the world know how I got to see you. I was following it's biscuit. Shout out to him. And, ah, shut up. And yeah. he just showed this lady dancing in a laundromat in New York <laughs> to Jamaican music. And I was like, wow, like she has really got the moves down and it's something special to see. So how'd you get into Jamaican music and the dance and how did it become a part of your life? Well, it was, you know, it crept into my life, I was, you know, I was always into dancing in general. Just I was moving to music when from when I was a baby. Uh, I was growing up in Sweden, uh, so I was growing up around pop music, and then hip hop came along, MTV, and then on MTV and via the radio, I started hearing dancehall music, which was like Chaka Demas and Pliers, um, Shabba Ranks, and then Sean Paul came along. So you know that when I heard that music, it really, you know, it touched my soul. But I didn't really know how to move to it, but I saw the music videos. And uh, then I started ordering DVDs because it was back in the days before YouTube. Yeah. So from the parties yeah. in Jamaica, you know, when people walk around and you know, kind of show their outfits and then, then uh, it leads up to the crescendo of the party. So, you know, I was studying from, you know, from afar, uh, the culture and the dancing. And then I started traveling more. So then, you know, I met more and more Caribbean people and then when I moved to New York of course that was when you know I could really you know go to the parties there 
and learn from Jamaicans that were living in New York. So it was a build up and then it took over my life for many years. <laughs> now that's amazing because you got it down packed. Was it hard for you? Because you just seem like a natural. You don't even seem like I'm surprised you said you watched anything because it just seemed like you naturally had the rhythm in you. So was it difficult okay. at first or was it? Well, I put in my 10,000 plus hours, okay. you know, <laughs> the training. Well, I was training different kinds of dance. So I was, you know, learning how to move my body. But dance hall is very different from anything else. So you kind of have to unlearn what you learned before to learn dance hall. So it took a while for me to transition from being like a hip hop dancer into more of a, you know, try to learn authentic Jamaican moves. And when I started traveling to Jamaica, that's when, you know, I really like it all came together as well. When you actually see the culture firsthand and you, like you, you smell the smells and you taste the foods. And yeah. so, yeah. yeah, that's when it all. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's oh. just amazing to me. Cause it just doesn't seem like you did any like steps or dancing. It just seemed like you had it. Cause you know, some people you can see them, <laughs> In their head, like, all right, move left, right arm, move, like, no, you seem like you just had it down packed. Now, going to Jamaica, like, how was it? How were they accepting of you and, like, the dancing and were they surprised at how good you were at it? I mean, uh, you know, when I started going to Jamaica, I didn't go there on attitude, like, oh, you know, look at me. I was a student. No, and, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a student. I was a teacher and a student at the same time because, oh. you know, I love the culture. So I was teaching dance hall classes in New York. Um, and also in Sweden before I got there, but going to Jamaica was just like, you know, that was like the real school to, to learn. So, but I, you know, the um, reactions were really positive and, uh, you know, like, I think once you show people that you respect the culture, you're going to get respect back. And it's not like I came there with a mindset, like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show yeah. what I'm all about. Like, I just came there to learn from, from them, so. And I think that's with anything when you like a newcomer or anything, when you just come in with a like a attitude, like I just really love this and people can see that as genuine. I think anybody's accepting of who you are because they could tell your heart after meeting you and after seeing you dance. And are you just trying to like take away from this culture or do you really love this culture? And I think they could tell you really love the culture. Mm. Now, yeah, it's always been you know, like, um, yeah, like it's one of my longest relationships. I usually say, <laughs> me and dance hall in Jamaica. It's been like, yeah, okay. <laughs> had some difficulties along the way, you know, but we're we're good now. <laughs> that is good. So, what's your favorite Jamaican food? What is your favorite? Uh, and saltfish. I don't know if you know that dish. Yeah, I've heard of it. Never had it. I'm more of like a curry goat and you know lamb and stuff like that. I mean, I, I love pretty much all Jamaican foods, except kind of the curry, st uh, the, the goat stuff. Oh. So I'm a bit, the goat, yeah. Like, I know one person that makes good curry goats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, like the jerk chicken and all the fish and, you know, there's so much good things there and the, and the beverages and the fruits, everything, yeah. Yeah, I heard a red stripe is like a big thing over there, you know, to have oh, a yeah. red stripe. <laughs> It's very generic, but it seems like, oh, well, when you're over there, you got to have a red stripe. Yeah, yeah. Now, definitely. is that beer or is it like a soda? No, that's beer. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know for sure. I would thought it was a beer. Now, <laughs> you are in the dance hall world and you in the world of dance, but what did you want to be when you were growing up? What did you think young Hannah was going to be? Well, I never really had like one big, huge dream I guess, I mean, when I got into dancing, I knew I loved it, but I 
I didn't really have the vision of, oh, this is going to be my you know bread and butter. I'm going to be professional. It kind of just happened. Like, you know, I realized I was good at it and then I, you know, I, you know, I trained more and then I found, because I always wanted to learn. That was my passion to, like, to become as good as possible. It was for me and to, to learn from, you know, the best people in their respective genres. So yeah, it's always, like, I didn't really have, I had, I, maybe I switched like, oh, I want to be a makeup artist. Oh, I want to be a, you know, like a, a pot maker, like a clay, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, like random professions yeah. that when I grew up, but I guess I was always um, uh, creative, you know, I like to yeah. create different things. Yeah. In the creative world, it's hard to explain to a lot of people. Like I do a podcast, I do photography. Yeah. It's like, you know, starting out on these things, you broke, you know, dance and stuff like that. You're like, oh man, I need to find some money. But if you like stay with it long enough, you could find enough money for you to live a prosperous life, even live a great life. So it's really hard in the creative space because everybody is like, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be a nurse, be something guaranteed. So how is it for you? Like, do you just have that drive in you that like, whatever I put my mind to, I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to worry about what people think or people say. I'm going to just do it. Well, I think my love for dance, for example, has always been pushing me. Um, so maybe like not really thinking, just like, right, I want to do this. So, you know, I want to go to New York because I want to learn more dance and I want to get better. Uh, and for other people, maybe on the sidelines, they're like, oh, you're so brave. Like you got so much drive. But for me, it was just like, well, there's no other option. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I can't just stay in one place and, you know, be content. Yeah. Um, but of course, like when I look back and also when I compare, you know, other people, maybe like they go to college and then they go to university and it's very, you know, organized. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, it would have been nice to go that route, but it would have been boring. <laughs> you know? yeah. It wouldn't be me authentically. But um, yeah. I understand why people choose to go that route as well. And yeah. I've always been like going zigzag and yeah. now I'm kind of doing what people are like, because I'm getting more and more into corporate work. And people that have been incorporated for a long time, like in my age now, they're like, oh, well, I want to be do more creative stuff. Now I'm like, right, you go do that and I go do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, I don't know. It's really hard. I'm I'm a type of person that, like, if you're genuinely happy, I'm fine with you doing that. But for me, the idea of working somewhere, like, here in America to, like, 65 or something, then you can live your life, that is, like, scary to me. I'm like, that is, <laughs> like, I don't... I'm like, these good years when you're in your 20s, I'm 34, stuff like you can move around real good and easy. Like, I don't want to wait until I'm 65. And then a lot of people out here, like, they have bad sickness at 65. So they can't really live their life the way they should have lived their life because they worked for a company for mm. 40 years or something like that. And then now they don't even know what to do with themselves because they didn't have like creative thoughts or genes that they feel too old to do it now so if you would have worked your whole life and then waited till 65 and then now want to dance it's like well you could have did a lot more younger if you would have really went for it and tried you could have went viral and stuff like that you could have did all these things but you mm -hmm. waited too long so like you said i respect everybody's idea on what they want to do but i just feel like if it's something you really want to do, you got to go for it. It's going to be ups and downs, highs and lows. But I think if your heart is pure and you really love it, whether you're getting $1 or $1 million, you're going to keep doing it. Yeah, and it's worse for me, at least it would be worse to live with a regret. Like, yeah, like you said, 
Like I look back and like, oh, I should have done that. But, too old it's like oh man i could still do it technically but it's gonna be a yeah. lot harder a lot harder yeah. yeah so new york when did you move to new york because i was born in brooklyn my mom moved me born in brooklyn, man. What part of brooklyn well i was born in brownsville and then my mom uh moved me around i was in uh farragut do you know where farragut is uh it's near uh um, yeah, it's on yeah. york street yeah, it's near the old Navy Yards, not far from um, the Barclays Center now, and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm, right, right, right. And lived in Harlem yeah, as well. Yeah, I seen you mm-hmm. were in Harlem uh, on your um, Instagram. I seen you were in Harlem. I used to live on 143rd between Malcolm X and Lennox before we moved. So Yeah, yeah, I mean, I love Harlem too. Like, one of my friends is like, you're always in Brooklyn. Like, you got to come and do a Harlem day. So that was fun. Yeah. But yeah, I moved to New York. When was it now? In 2005, I went to New York to study for like six months. And then I went back to Sweden a year. And then, because I was like, I want to move there. So I was working to save up money, get the visa and all that stuff. So I moved back in like 2007, 2006, something like that. And then I ended up staying for 10 years. Wow. yeah so how does that work getting a visa to like stay somewhere and work or do work or something like that oh, it was oh, called it? um the extraordinary alien <laughs> i think okay. it's such a funny title <laughs> but it's like for athletes or if you're a performer that kind of visa so yeah that's how i ended up staying for so many years and um you know it became my home and you know that's where i had my, all my friends and uh, it's just uh, because I had I have my Swedish family as well. So after 10 years, I was like, all right, I need to take a break from the city and you know, be closer to my relatives in Sweden a bit. Yeah. yeah. And I re, you know, re, recalculate my life a bit as well. So, so but it was, it was amazing to live in New York for that long. So starting out in New York, what were you doing and where were you living at? Mm, I lived in Williamsburg. That was like the first like places I lived for a long time, and that was you know in the cusp of getting it. I was part of the gentrification wave, I guess. Oh, um, yeah. When we, which actually how we got the apartment was that a couple of drug dealers scammed me. Like they were like, yeah, we you know we're gonna sublet this apartment, and then they ended up you know just taking our money and stuff. Oh, Alright, that was a slap in my face. Like, welcome to Brooklyn. Yeah, welcome you know, to Brooklyn. Learn. Oh man. I remember the first time that happened to me because, like I said, my mom moved me when I was, like, five from New York, but we always went back. But I remember mm-hmm. when um, the Clips album, you know, the Clips, the rap group, Pusha T yeah, and yeah. Mallet, I went in a store to buy the album. And I was like, oh, can we buy it? And my mom was like, let's get out of here. And I was like, well, what happened? She was like, this is a drug front, Rich. I was like, whoa. I was like, oh, wow. She was like... They're not selling CDs at all in here. They just have this set up like they're selling CDs. And I was like, New York is very sophisticated with the scamming here. Wow. <laughs> wow. So please. So after that scamming, how did you get acquainted with New York? And where did you officially live the right way? Well, well, we ended up living in that apartment, actually. Like, it worked out after this, like, slap around. And we ended up, you know, me and my friend could actually move into this apartment like the you know the drug dealers they were out <laughs> um so i ended up staying in williamsburg for many years and you know i was teaching dance i was uh, like serving at restaurants because you know like 
the rents in New York are not that cheap. So, you know, you needed that fast money. So I was doing a lot of waitressing jobs and like, like babysitting, like all kinds of stuff to just be able to dance as much as possible when I didn't work. Um, so, you know, I was on the New York grind and realizing that you can't just kind of do one thing. Like New Yorkers were like, oh yeah, I do this and this and this. I'm like, all right, I need to up my game here. Yeah. So I, I started you know, doing some DJing stuff and yeah, just trying to be more versatile and like multi, uh, multi-hyphenate, as I say. Yeah, yeah. So what was it like when you first got that taste of really going out to like a dance hall or any kind, not just uh, dance hall dancing, just any kind of dancing that you felt the vibe of New York City. What was it like when you finally felt that when you got there? Well, I felt that I found my home. <laughs> I found my my tribe and you know in the club world, you know, amazing DJs, some of the best dancers in the world, like you know everything came together. So I was you know I was going out like hardcore for many years, like you know several times a week, and you know getting home just like taking a shower and then straight going to work. You know I had that energy because I was so like high on the on the vibes and you know because you know you did a lot of networking in the clubs as well for exactly. you know for uh, dance wise so yeah. it was it was intense but uh, it was a lot of fun and i've noticed that too when you are a part of a certain world you'll realize how small it is like a dance yeah. hall well you'll go to atlanta like you say like you never been here but you'll come here and somebody might know you or you go to a dance hall or a place and somebody's like, hey, do you know such and such? And then y'all just join together. So, like you said, it's really important to network when you're out because people can literally hand you that next step to, like, change your life. So, it is tiring. It is hard to keep going and stuff like that. But when you keep going, you will be rewarded from just literally going out. Like, hey, I remember her. Let her in. You know, let her in the club or this or that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. One thing, and like, I mean, social media has taken over so much because of you know everything that's happened in these past years. But still, in real life, is you know you can't beat it really. Yeah, it's it's the best. Like a word of mouth too is like the best. Like, hey, I heard yeah. about this person, you know, and it really could take you far. Now, around that time, well, Sean Paul was before that, but I wanted to tell you, Sean Paul is my favorite, and I know you got a chance to meet Sean Paul. How was that meeting him? Yeah, it was great. I mean, several times actually, because um, we had this club every week. So one of his managers were involved with organizing it. So he came there whenever he was in New York. He came to that club, um, and then we actually ended up like going on a paintball you know, oh, wow. <laughs> trip with him and his crew. So that was you know kind of surreal. Like, okay, I'm I'm shooting at my like childhood idol. Oh, <laughs> oh I shot him. Wow, man. So he, you know, he's a super nice guy. He's like super humble and fun. And his whole team is really just like, you know, they're not like, like, you know, they're superstars, but, you know, they're super humble. Yeah. It's just like Sean Paul was just like the breakthrough because I graduated in 2006 from high school. So Sean Paul music was around that 10th grade for me. And mm. it just like he was the one to take it really, 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 really far. And he broke through, did songs like Keisha Cole for Step Up and he really broke through but around his time it was him it was uh, Wayne Wonder and stuff yeah. like that it was different people it's like Sean Paul like set the wave it feels like for like a lot of people to come in because when I was younger it was the Shaba Ranks and then how I seen you on t TikTok Supercat 
And I never yeah. heard, you know, <laughs> Brooklyn, man, that's super cat, uh-huh. Biggie and uh, Puffy. You know, people don't even notice that's Puffy rapping on there, man. It's like, mm-hmm. man. Now, that Supercat song, I've never heard that song until I seen you on it. I was like, I wow, it. man. Yeah. Supercat is the man. I love Supercat. Yeah, yeah, some, like, classics, like, anthems. Yeah, yeah, around that time, though. Now, do you remember, let's see if you remember, do you remember the girl named Ponytails that used to dance with Sean Paul? I think that was her name. Well, I know the, the dance, so I guess it, it was it was it was her that made up the ponytail dance. I mean, yeah, I don't know, but I just remember like watching One Hundred Six and Park Heavy around that time, uh-huh. and then he was performing, and then they introduced her as Ponytails, and I was like, she's in all his videos and stuff like that. So I was like, oh well, she became a popular dancer. But Get Busy was that was the good video. That video was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many good videos and. Yeah. Like really push the Caribbean culture like worldwide. So your favorite Sean Paul song? Oof. Today, because that I, that question <laughs> gets so hard. Yeah, it's hard to name like one, but now like you said, like get busy, of course, and uh, temperature. Oh yeah. On those like timeless rhythms as well. Yeah, I like uh you know I've been listening. I had like a whole because I work with two Jamaican ladies, so. Every once in a while, I'll put in, we play music all day at work, so I'll go into a little uh, reggae set, and I'll play, um, I played Sean Paul Infiltrate, and it was like, man, yeah. how do you know these songs? And then, like, <laughs> like I'll play that song, I'm in love with a man that's twice my age, or something like that. Right, right, right. You know, it's like, <laughs> What what are you doing? I'm like, I mean, I was born in Brooklyn, so I know a little right. bit of something. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like you heard you hear that like out in the streets, like from cars everywhere. Those so, so speaking of Brooklyn, I know you had to go to the Labor Day parade. You had to. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. had to. How was that experience the first time? Mm, well, the first time, yeah. Like it was, you know, I'd never experienced anything like that. So it was just, you know, it's you know, it's, all the vibes the trucks like it was yeah it was just like you know there was a lot of taking <laughs> yeah. um and then from then you know i went also to a carnival in, in jamaica and then i've seen the one in london as well i've been to that one several times so now you know, it's, it's a beautiful beautiful thing when everything comes together and like the different islands come together and okay so your, your favorite experience out of those three which one was your favorite Ooh. Uh, you know, not to talk down on anyone, but I really like the Notting Hill Carnival. Nice, wow. nice. So that's London. Yeah, that's London. Wow. It's, it's very like they. It's, I don't know how big you can describe it. It's a big area, like like the whole of downtown Manhattan. You can say like they just block it off, and there's like block parties, different DJs, different sound systems, like twenty sound systems maybe within this area, and people just like walk around. They have food stands. So you can kind of just hop from party to party and then there's usually performances plus the trucks and, you know, like the whole, the floats and everything. Now, I've heard London. Party evening, so it's like, it's lit for like three days. It's crazy. Now, I've heard London is amazing. Like I really love soul music as well. So I really want to go to London and just take in the vibes. And I know they have a lot of Jamaican culture there, but I know like just soul singing, you know, the, yeah. Dells and Sam Smith, like these people, you know, white people that'll have like this soul, like out of this world. You're like, wow. But they really 
study and love soul music. Um, like Mick Jagger, he loved uh, James Brown and stuff like that. Like he really, really loved. I think he produced the James Brown movie. You know, so they really love soul music. So I have to go to London. Now I heard Canada has one too, a carnival. Yes, Caribana. I need, I need, I'm going to try to go there this year, actually. Yeah, yeah. I seen it. Me and my wife was watching Housewives of Atlanta one time. Mm-hmm. And they, <laughs> show, they showed them go, and they got all dressed up and stuff like that. So I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. But the Labor Day Parade, now, I've been one time, and it mm-hmm. was like people had snakes on their neck and all kind of stuff. Like, oh, whoa, what is I was like, <laughs> I was like 10 years old going, and I was like, and honestly, that was the first time I seen somebody make it clap. I was like, what is that? <laughs> I said, whoa, 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 whoa. As a kid, I'm oh, like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, what is that? Cause, and it was very dangerous because she was on a float and she opened, uh, the, opened the float door and did it. I was like, whoa, this is, <laughs> this is dangerous and interesting as a 10 year old kid. <laughs> and I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah yeah wow and i remember beanie man was coming out mm-hmm. and it's so crazy too because around that time it was like 98 99 um who let the dogs out i heard that a, a year before it blew up i heard it like a whole year and you know the labor day parade it's like oh man this is a good we like this one but then when it came out it was like everybody was exhausted with it and felt like oh it's too pop now you know, they don't yeah. like it. But I was like, it didn't start out like that. It was at the Labor Day Parade, and it was a wild, it was a good mm-hmm. song, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Beanie, <laughs> man, <laughs> Beanie Man was throwing tapes back in those days, children. It was little things called tapes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he was throwing tapes, and one of them hit my dad in the head. It was hilarious. And I was like, <laughs> that tape had some good songs on it. It was free as well because they were throwing them out. So, promotion, promotion. Yeah, yeah. It was just a good time, man. It was a good time. So, marketing, I got to talk to you because I definitely need to do a better job at that. And I know that you're a genius at that. How did you get into marketing and how important is it? Well, I mean, I guess an intent, like I didn't know that I was doing marketing, but I, when I was pushing dance hall and, you know, I, I was always trying to convince people to like, you know, get into dance hall. So that was, I guess, uh, kind of marketing. Um, and then because I was working a lot of restaurants and then I, you know, I took an interest in taking pictures and videos. So restaurants started asking me like, oh, can you help us with Instagram? And also artists that came to me they were like, oh, can you help me with with choreography but i also need help with my instagram and like branding and um all that stuff so it kind of just you know it also like crept up on me and then i realized that all right this is my you know my next calling you can say because you know i knew you know dancing was not going to be my entire life like for until the rest like to the end of my life but i felt like marketing could you know be the next step for me so i started taking classes also in brooklyn um for filming and photoshop and all that stuff so i had some you know more knowledge and then when i moved back to sweden i also went to school for a little bit um this was called like digital strategies and then i learned a little bit more like right what's going on like before before you take the picture or before you you know you post so i got more of a 360 view of the whole thing and now i'm working full-time with marketing so it's been a journey and like struggles but I'm here and I'm thankful 
and I'm exploring the field as much as I can. Nice. That's great that you're in it. Now, TikTok is what got us to get this interview and this biscuit. So how so how was it discovering TikTok? Because I felt like in the beginning of the pandemic, TikTok came out. And how did you figure out like, hey, this thing is really, really working and it's really can get you to the next level as far as marketing goes for anything you're working on? Mm. I mean, my like my friend's daughter, she told me about it when it's called Musical.ly, you know, some years ago. And I was like, oh, you know, I guess it's the kids app. And I was kind of kind of slow still like to jump on it, but I created an account. So I had an account, but then I didn't do much with it. But then at the end of 2019, I was like, all right, I need to learn because I feel like this is going to be the next big thing. So and learning, well, you know, OK, I'm going to post my start posting my own videos. You know, that's how I'm going to learn. And so it didn't take off like right away. I just, you know, you know, tweaking it. Okay, should I use hashtags? Like, how do I find my, um, like, my target group? And then I had a few videos that blew up and went really, really viral. So I was sorry, this is fun, and, you know. But I was at the same time, you know, because I was aiming to work with other clients. So I was taking my experience from my own account, you know, using it to work with other brands. That's, but yeah, like it's been growing. Both of them has been growing and it's been so much like, positive feedback. So I'm, I'm really amazed and thankful for you know, being, being able to like do my dancing still, even though I'm not, you know, aiming to be a dancer anymore. But um, I know I still love it. So <laughs> it's the love. It's the love. Now, how important do you think? Because I feel like like me, I feel like I have a great concept with the podcast, different things. But the marketing i gotta figure it out so how important is marketing to like somebody that has a great idea but doesn't know how to i guess portray it to the world to get it out there to the world how important is marketing oh it's it's very important and i'm not just saying that because i'm a marketer yeah. but you know it is if you want to get people to notice what you're doing um so it's you know it's everything from you know finding out okay so who do i want to speak to who do i think is gonna want to listen and sometimes you have to we think like right i thought this was gonna be the people that was gonna like me but it's actually these people so you know you have to test it out like try different audiences you know it can be you know it doesn't have to be just like age groups it can be you know people with a certain kind of interest or people with some kind of you know something that's going on in their life that's you know what you provide is gonna really speak to them so it's you know, it's, it's about psychology, basically. You know, if people can relate to you, if you feel like they're getting, you know, some knowledge or it's getting, making their lives better in some way or another, um, that's when it's going to work out. And for me, I guess, people seeing me dancing and just being carefree and just doing it for fun is giving people joy and be like, oh, oh yeah, I'll give her a follow, you know. It's, um, so it's like an exchange of energies. And the laundromat is just so relatable for New York City, too. Like, when I seen that video, now, was that video of you dancing in Supercat, was that the one who really made you viral, viral, or you had other ones before that? Uh, well, yeah, that one took it to definitely a next level with, within the hip-hop world, especially. Like, it's Biscuit picked it up, really. Like, he was one of the first ones from the hip-hop world. Because before that, it was mostly, you know, the Caribbean blogs or, you know, um, that diaspora. But... I really saw when the hip hop world caught on to me that was, you know, it went even bigger. 
Uh, and that was in Sweden, you know, it's, we have, we don't have like open laundry match like we do in, in America, but it's like, you know, in my apartment building, you book your, a time. So then I have it for like three hours and then I can just do what, like, no one's going to come in and see me dance and can just do whatever. <laughs> and I can play music loud because my neighbors here, like they complain when I play music, but in the, when I do laundry, that's when I can play music loud. And then I started doing the TikToks there and I was like, all right. It's you know this this works out this concept. <laughs> yeah, and I felt like I was like you got to be in New York like maybe three in the morning or something like that. I was like maybe you there like real late in doing. Right. I did not know that you were in Sweden doing it. That's funny. <laughs> not that but yeah, it's like the universal thing of like yeah, everyone does laundry. Yeah. Uh, relatable and, you know, content. Relatable right. content. Yeah. <laughs> and you just like you just, I don't know maybe you're just gonna be on your phone, but you know if you can spend your time having some fun as well. <laughs> and now. Now, I used to go to the laundromat in the 90s, and it was boring. Oh, man. So it's like for you to have your phone and be able to do all these, because now you see people, you know, always doing a TikTok or something like that. Like, it's so much better, I would imagine, doing laundry today versus when I was going 96, 97, and you're like, okay, they got Miss Pac-Man in the corner. They got TV on, but you can't hear it. And you got to yeah. sit there for three hours, like you said. And you're like, oh, I'm bored. I'm really, really bored. So that is funny that the laundromat is really what uh, took off for you. But what you said is important, too, is that finding your core. Because that's what I tell people when they have, like, anything they're doing. I said, find your core because the core can get you a lifestyle forever. Like, you, everybody wants to be the biggest, but your core can have you sitting comfortably and living a life you want to live like how important is it do you think to find just a core you don't have to have everybody of course you're aiming for everybody but how yeah. important is that core following to you no it's it's um like it's everything you know um because it's it's you it can start with like one two three people that's like super you know like you said before it's the word of mouth so if they tell their friends like, you gotta check her out and then it just spreads like you gotta check her out you gotta check her out um and then eventually it's someone that's don't don't even know what dance hall is like they're gonna see it and be like oh you know and be maybe it's like spark an interest for them to be like oh like i, I want to find out more about dance hall or you know so it's um the trickle down effect is um you know never underestimated nice nice now you seem like a pretty upbeat and positive person but i always ask people this question to help other people what do you do on those moments when you're feeling down on yourself or you're maybe not feeling good or life is weighing you down? What do you do to get yourself back up? Well, I take a walk. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really cheap and uh, effective um, way to feel better. And I, right now I'm living like in the suburbs of Stockholm where it's a lot of trees and water around. So I'm very happy and thankful for being here at this time. Also during COVID, it was like my savior. Yes. Um, so if you can... If you can take a walk in your neighborhood, that's, you know, that's really nice. Um, a good thing. Um, I do some yoga and meditation here and there. I'm not like super rigid. I don't have like a every morning, like half an hour, but you know, when I can get it in and sometimes I have to remind myself. Um, and yeah, like do, I take my dance breaks, like making TikToks for myself is also now like a, a relaxation from my other work in a way to get my creativity out nice. so yeah yeah find your find your ways but also hopefully it's something that 
it's good for your body. <laughs> yes, yes, that, so, is, that is important. Yeah. That is so. What is some advice to some creators like starting out, or maybe they've been doing it for a couple of months or something, and they feel like it's going nowhere? What advice do you have to like the other creators out there trying to figure out their way, their passion to make it monetary, hopefully one day, and really live free how they want to? Mm. Well, I mean, I've, I've been there because I was, you know, I was putting out content since 20 years back. And for for uh, many years, it was like, yeah, I got some traction, but it never I felt like I was just like, kind of, you know, banging my head against the wall, like not getting anywhere. So after some years of doing that, I was like, okay, I have to, you know, turn and try something new, like try something different. And that's hard, like, because the easier way is to just do whatever you, you've been doing. If you keep doing it, it's not going to lead anywhere. So you have to switch it up. So if it's not working, tweak something, maybe like take a course, learn something new. So you can like find yourself in new situations with new people. So you're not always like around the same all the time. Like, you know, because it's like networking as well. You you can meet people that spark something new in your mind. So, and for me, moving back to Sweden was really hard. Like I didn't really want to, but I felt, okay this is the move i need to make to be able to get to this next chapter and it took years like you know it was hard for me to just land back here and feeling like an alien as well so yeah yeah, yeah don't just, be like me and don't like bang your head against the wall like too many years you know <laughs> yeah be smarter yeah. and, <laughs> and um, yeah yeah That's turn the other way like a little bit earlier than i did that, it's important like and what you said now i think more than ever the courses are getting more accepted that you know a lot of people go the college route but for creative people they have courses on this or that or marketing or different things and it's maybe like two hundred dollars or this or that and you're like why would i spend that on a course but that course can lead you to meet somebody that can take you to the next level so i mean sure. it's important like these courses is what i'm learning is that like it seems like a scam for a lot of people, but if you do your homework or talk to some people that maybe have done it before, like you said, you did courses on Photoshop and different things like that, and it could help you take you to the next level. And now you're doing marketing and stuff like that, and you figure mm. these things out. These courses, for you could take a couple courses rather than four years of college, and you might be right. like on your way, and it's cheaper. Like, but you don't think that in the moment. Cause you like, mm -hmm. so I'm about to spend a hundred dollars on one out, a two hour class. You like, eh, I don't know about that, but it, it really seemed like the courses help a lot. Yeah, definitely. And even, you know, taking privates, like in the dance world, it's kind of common to take privates, but also, you know, if you know someone that's really good at what they're doing, maybe you can book them for an hour or two just to get some advice or get some tricks and tips and inspiration and, you know, pay them what they're asking. Cause even though it feels like maybe a lot in the moment, you know, down the line is, uh, it's, it's going to pay off. Yes. 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 So I wanted to talk to you. We talked about it beforehand. It's a deep conversation, a deep topic for some people. I want to let you know, uh, before we get into it, but adoption, if you could share your story and your thoughts about adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I renamed it some years ago now because I feel like the more honest way to talk about it is like export and import because <laughs> I was uh, basically a commodity. Right? It was a demand. People in the West wanted babies and then, they, and then there, there was like business people in between that provided, all right, we have babies in Korea or 
you know, a lot of different countries have been exporting babies. And in some cases, I'm sure this was like legit, you know, there was the parents maybe weren't there anymore or, you know, due to different circumstances, but also in a lot of cases, there was a lot of, you know, illegal things happening, basically, you know, like human trafficking. But I ended up, you know, going from Korea to Sweden as a baby. And um, uh, actually, like earlier this year, I managed to found my mom or like an organization found my biological mother after like years of searching and but like a very like a slow search I haven't been like it's not like every day I'm like online and searching for her but it's been a process um but then she ended up saying that she did not want to have any contact so so now I'm at a standstill again in the search because I was all right I would nice to be you know see a picture or find out if I have siblings but she didn't really want to give any information so it is what it is I've uh, I've worked a lot on my, you know, like my adoptee wound, as you say. Yeah. I've gotten far, you know, it's it's still work to do, but and also I'm glad I found out like the, the ugliness of this world as well, because I grew up and it was kind of, you know, wrapped like marketing, you know, it was like marketers, oh, you know, everything's happy now, like these kids, they have a better home and everyone's going to be happy, but, you know, that's not really reality, so. Yeah. 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 It's a a process. Yeah, thank you for going there and sharing. But I really understand that in this world you have, you know, biological or blood people, but the people you really meet that really love you, they really are your family. Because it's like your family sometimes can be your family technically, but they really, Mm -hmm. really treat you really, really bad and really treat you rough. So if you can have one or two people in your life that could just help you out and love you the way you need to be loved and accept you. It's like, we just have to be, you know, accepting of that because sometimes your parents will never be the people that you want them to be. You know, whether you grew up with your biological parents or not, they can just not be the people, you know, a lot of us, for us now kids are social media, but for us growing up, it was TV and everybody felt like, well, on TV, this is the way it's supposed to be. The mom and dad, and it's happy, and it's like, that's not the truth. You know, that's that's TV is what TV is. Show. It's marketing. Uh, once again, it's just, so it's just that, like, I hope for you and for anybody listening that, you know, whether biological or not, you find some peace. And also, I'm big on healing. Like you said, you yeah. healed your adoption wound, like, because people say get over stuff, but I feel like that's not the good approach to go about it. I don't think you just get over breaking your knee. You have to go in there and you have to get surgery. You have to get it healed. So right. healing is a lifelong journey because some days you feel like, oh, I got a grasp on this. Then you might see something or see someone and it might tear your whole world all the way back down. But if, if you get better with it from time to time, day to day, year to year, I think healing is important but i really thank you for sharing that and for anybody dealing with emotional scars from family and stuff you have to really love yourself you really like in this world anybody can change on you so loving yourself is the most important thing that you can do and i think you do a good job of loving yourself with your dancing and moving and inspiring and making the world happy so thank you for your light in the world thank you for you know seeing what I do and 
you know, exchanging energies here. I really appreciate it. You do a good job. You do a good job. So if you had, what was the last reggae or dance hall song that you played that you listened to? Ooh. Well, it was probably something this morning. I mean, I listen to music all the time. I have a, I don't know exactly which one it was though. It was, I think it was a, a popcorn song. Popcorn, popcorn is huge. He's really big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear him a lot. And I hear him sometime on songs that I didn't even know he was on. You know, it'll just be like featuring Popcorn. I'm like, wow, man. And I heard of him from Drake. That's where I like found out about Popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no, he's, uh, he's, he's been proving himself to be really like he's going to stay for a long time. Because first, you know, he broke through with the Clark song. He was on the Clark song with the Vibes Cartel. So back then, you're like, you never know with these like artists, they might have like one hit wonders. Uh, but he's one of those that's really managed to stick around and keep doing collaborations and coming out with albums. So, yeah, big up. I also listen to Coffee, and she's one of those like super young and super talented people that's taking Jamaican music, like to like keeping it on this level, like that Sean Paul did it. And so, yeah, it's 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 really nice to follow. Um, music trends and now i see they pushing uh shintia i haven't heard too much of her yeah. music but i hear that i feel like they're trying to really push her to cross over in the states and stuff like yeah. that shintia yeah so yeah because she's super talented as well i actually promoted one of her songs that she had with some swedish uh, producers some years ago so that was when she was breaking out so i i've been following her since then and seeing her like you know working her way towards the U.S. and now like more like pop, hip-hop kind of route. Um, so, yeah, I hope she does well. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what's your, do you have a favorite Shabarink songs? I like Ting-a-ling-a-ling, of course. I love yeah. that one, but you know, <laughs> a favorite Shabba song. Yeah, and of course it's that, Mr. Loverman. That's the big <laughs> one. Now, do you remember back in the day in Living Color when they did a skit of that? Mm, no, no, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, it was back when ca cancel culture was not a thing back then, <laughs> and it was Mr. Ugly Man. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. I've seen that. I've seen that one. I yeah. was like, oh, boy. But, you know, Shabu, Shabu, if you were around that time, I was young, but Shabu was big. He broke over. Yeah. He broke over big time. Have you heard the ASAP uh, Mob Shabu Rank song? I think so. Yeah. Like, some years ago, or? Yeah, it came out probably like six years ago. Right, right, right. Yeah, that I love that one. The beat on it is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, there's so much, you know, hip-hop and dancehall is so closely connected. It's, it's, um, yeah. it's cool when they, they really mash up. It's pretty cool. Now, before we get out of here, I feel like I'm going to be more vulnerable and I'm going to have more fun. And I'm going to start asking people to do their accents. And I'll do it first. I'm going to do my <laughs> own Jamaican accent. Okay. All right. Then. Here we go. Time to embarrass okay. ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. Time to break free. Okay. Bless up, everyone. We got the girl Hannah on This Is Recorded Podcast right now. Tune in. Big tunes coming up. Real respect. Real love. Thank you, Hannah. Pop, 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 Bless up, bless up, Reggie. Big man, take a tune into his podcast, the biggest podcast in the universe. So, lock in. <laughs> Thank you very much. This is going to go in a blooper reel somewhere. Thank you very much. All right. So the last Thank thing. You. Oh, yeah. The last thing I do before I get out of here, 
I do this thing called speaking into existence because I believe in that. And I think it's mm-hmm. really, you got to really manifest things in your life. So I, I said in your life and that got through people for a loop. So I said, okay, this time next year, what are you manifesting that's going to be going on in your life? So speaking into existence, Miss Hannah, what is going to be going on for you this time next year? This time next year, I'm going to be more, even more free than I am now, like with my work. I'm going to be you know, traveling here and there. I want to do a Caribbean island tour. That's one of my goals as well. And um, yeah, living my best life. That's what it is. <laughs> this is recorded.